Digital Marketing Radio, episode 123. What are the traits of a good social brand? DigitalMarketingRadio.com Today's episode is brought to you by Aweber. Build your email list, engage your subscribers, do email the right way. I've arranged a special deal for all Digital Marketing Radio listeners, and that's a 60-day free trial with the email marketing software provider I use, Aweber. Lock in your 60-day free trial, plus view a video that I've recorded on the three reasons why I use their service at aweber.com slash DMR. So just go to aweber.com slash DMR to get started today. The Big Interview with David Bain. Now, we're recording this episode on Blab, and I'm pleased to be joined by someone that helped me the first time I used Blab. He's got more than 25 years, years experience in marketing having assisted companies like Coca-Cola, American Express and Procter & Gamble in the past. Welcome to DMR, Tim McVeigh. Hi, David. How are you? I've got to say that is very impressive. It all goes downhill from there. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can find Tim over at uh, brandideas.com.au. So, Tim, um, in the future, will it be possible for brands to be a success without social media, do you think? Oh, look, I think there is always demand. Like, uh, people have needs. So there's always going to be, I need something, I go look for it, I find it, I'll, um, I get to buy that product. So, yeah, look, I think um, at the end of the day, there will be brands who don't do social, don't reach out to their customer, but basically hang their shingle and people find them. But they'll be harder to find. I think it's the brands that actually develop conversations and relationships and are the first first thing that people think of that will end up being successful. That that nowadays we used to think of a logo as that thing that would stay in someone's memory, stay in someone's mind, um, as the first place that I go to for them it, when I'm thinking about the thing I need. But I think now. Um, it'll be the relationship that I have that, that trumps that, that if I know somebody through their social, uh, through my social experience with them, I'm more likely to trust them, I'm more likely to value them, and therefore I'm more likely to, to jump to them first. So what would you say then are some of the traits of a good social brand? Um, look, I think a good social brand, for a start, listens more than it speaks. Um, that social listening is actually uh, the, the the catalyst for a relationship in in the social realm. So essentially, brands that are uh, listening to to uh, their Twitter feed, listening to their their social media feed, um, and then responding to that in a positive light, uh, offering a kind of a level of customer service that customers aren't used to yet. That it, when you have a brand that actually responds to um, something that they might have at mentioned in, in Twitter and they're Johnny on the spot, I think that the customers get that sort of delight and surprise that A, their voice is being heard, too, that, that, that this relationship that they started by following the brand for a start, I think a like or a follow becomes that permission um, for brands to to enter their world. So now when when you... when someone likes a brand it's actually saying i give you permission to speak to me to to enter my social realm and especially in facebook i think that's that's especially true um i think there's a lot more noise in twitter but at the same time 
when people say, I like you or I want to follow you, they're saying, talk to me, you know, engage me, allow me to, to see you in my day. Okay. And, uh, yeah. No, I love that description that you started off with. Um, it's about listening because um, a lot of brands obviously think it's about just registering their profiles on these social networks and then broadcasting and not even yeah. not not even interacting at all. Just saying, "Bah, bah, this is what I do." And uh, <laughs> this is what I do. And it's like this this sort of constant regurgitation of of us, 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 us. And that's not what people um, use their social media for. They use it. To, to be informed, but to to have a conversation. Now, each of those platforms allows the consumer to have a voice, and when you allow them to have that voice with you as a brand, and it doesn't mean, matter whether you're a huge corporation or a small business, um, you you enter in this into almost the, a, a, a conversation and a relationship that that is a little bit more intimate than just me telling you my story, my story, my my product, my this, my sale. Mm. So I think that's, that's how it changes, yeah. One thing that I particularly don't like to do on, on Twitter, for example, because I'm probably most active on Twitter as a social network, is follow just brand icons. I prefer following individuals. So, I mean, is it right for a brand to try and interact as their brand on these kind of social networks, or should it would it be better actually just to have individuals representing that brand instead? I think so. Um, when I started on Twitter, um, basically I started on Twitter to get a free piece of software. I thought, oh, this is cool. I just have to tweet something. I get a free piece of software. That's that's pretty pretty good. Um, they would have got a tweet to an audience of zero, but I got my piece of software. <laughs> um, but I joined it. And I started off, I put my logo up there. I'm a logo designer. I design logos. That's sort of um, my starting point for most of my relationships with customers. Mm. So for a long time, I was my little light bulb logo. And and that was cool. I was kind of happy with that. But then I started to get involved in Twitter chats, in, in actually talking about social media and learning about social media um, from other social media experts who were hosting these Twitter chats. And for me, that that was like, a, a light bulb moment for for me in terms of oh wow Twitter is actually about people and not about this sort of just information people are putting out and click this link this is my product this is the sandwich I ate today kind of stuff that you were seeing on Twitter um, instead it started to be a conversation where you got to know people within the the, the community of Twitter. And so that that really opened a door. So when I started to get involved in that, um, Pam Moore, who runs Get Real Chat, kind of encouraged me to put my photo up as 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 my um, face. You know, like put your face up. We want yeah. to know who you are. You're saying all these interesting things, Tim. We want to get to know you. So um, and so that was kind of almost like a step out in courage, kind of um, feeling brave enough to say, okay, I'm going to put my face out there as. <laughs> my business you know normally I've, we've talked in here is my logo here is my logo love my logo identify with my logo yeah. but instead when we're um involved in social it's about i want to see you know i want to connect with eyes i want to see a smile i want to know that there is actually a person um in this transaction between posts and uh i think that's where it started on on twitter for me was realizing that 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 the transactions and the people I wanted to follow were people rather than brands. So even though I might be interested in in what certain brands were doing 
I always found that I connected with the people and that's they're the people who I would constantly follow if I had to drop off people from my um my follower list because I'd I'd kind of filled my Twitter quota, I'd be dropping brands off because they were just logos. So I figured they were more likely to just be posting ads rather than posting um content that was meaningful. So I, I think that's what changed in that Twitterverse kind of relationship. It's it's well, digital marketing in general has changed so much, hasn't it? I mean, I've I've been involved in it for ten plus years now, actually, and yeah. uh, you know that that's before social media, and um, it was no one uh, put their name, let alone their face, their photo forward um, to, to to represent what they were doing. It was all about hiding behind mm. um, a brand, and uh, it's it's changed completely, but but for the better in general, I think. Yeah, I, I think companies could could be faceless grey men and hide behind a logo, and that was you know as long as they had an agency kind of putting out a, a voice and an image, it was all good. Whereas I think now um, there is that craving to know that that the people who represent these companies, represent their products, are real people, they have values, and that those values are the things that customers can connect with. Absolutely. I was talking to Phil Palin recently, and he's a personal brand expert from the States, and um, I actually interviewed him for episode 121, which won't be, we're talking live now on the 24th of September, so that won't be published actually until the 29th. But um, uh, he was saying, yes, it's, it's, it's so important to get quality, great photos of yourself on your website. And then I was saying to him, well, my avatar is actually a cartoon image of me. Is that okay? Uh, he, he was saying, is that okay? Do, do you agree with that? Look, I, I think, David, you're a good-looking rooster. You could, um, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> you could um, – I, I, I think that an illustration is, is kind of cool, but, again, it, it doesn't connect the way a photo does. It, it's not as, as real as a photo. So, at the same time, you, you, you're getting that balance between, well, here is, here is an image – that people can grasp hold of. It's it's easily recognised. It won't age. It's it's. I think um, I often think that Twitter photos are a bit like the Dorian Gray in reverse, in that um, the Twitter photo stays the same, yeah. and I get older. Um, so I guess there's that iconic thing of, of having the illustration to be a good icon. At the same time, I still I I found that just. Yeah, I'm going to get a nice photo. I'm going to put it up, and it's nice. People go, "Oh, you look nice. I like your photo." You get a bit of feedback, and that can't be a bad thing. It, it's always a bit scary meeting someone in person who's got a Twitter photo that's maybe seven years old, and then the yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe an update. So yeah, I, I would encourage um, people to at least every couple of years get get a fresh set of face shots and and put them out there and 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 let everyone know, hey, this is my new photos. What do you think? And that engages people in conversation. People um, get to get to see you and re recognize you that's, again. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of brand voice, um, if you've got um, a brand persona. Uh, and then you've got loads of people interacting on behalf of the brand. Should those people actually be using this persona, this voice of the company, and be consistent with the tone? Or is it more right to actually just um, have their own personality and be more natural when they're interacting on behalf of the company? Again, I think it becomes a case of 
there is a brand voice and it's okay to have a corporate voice and set up a corporate account that that is sits above the people within the company sits above your employee advocates i guess what you're essentially trying to create is a brand and underneath that brand are people who represent it as employee advocates and each of those people will have a different tone and a different voice and we accept that from people that we're not all cookie cutter models of ourselves but if the the if the tone of their conversation is consistent in other words they all know that what they're trying to say um, across, um, you know, to, to meet a goal, then I think it's okay that there's there's different voices in that as long as, I guess, they're singing in harmony. It's like good music that uh, if it's in harmony, it sounds really good and it it, it, it it pleases people. If it's discordant, then it's it's not pleasing and it, it becomes upsetting. So it's good if everyone's on the same page. Um, and sharing at least the same goals. They might do it from a different perspective, but at least they're trying to aim for the same, same, uh, achieve the same thing. So um, what about if you're a really small company, if maybe you're actually starting your own consultancy or something like that, do you think you're always better to call that your own personal name and, and lead with that and that's your brand? Or do you think um, it's actually better to position yourself as being called something else and perhaps give yourself room to grow then? Yeah, I found like, um, at least with Twitter, um, being Tim McVeigh at Brand Ideas um, tells a complete story. So people know my name, people know the company I work for. So um, people have always kind of um, at least uh, given me good feedback that, oh, at Brand Ideas, I get your name, I get your business name, and it defines me as my niche. So uh, people instantly know my niche, they know my, and they attach that with my name. So I think using both those things isn't a bad idea. It humanises you, but it also attaches you to the business uh, that you're in. So for a small business, I think having, you know, I'm, I'm Fred Jones at, at Fred Jones Plumbing is a good thing. I'm Fred Jones at, at uh, uh, Happy Plumbing is the same thing, is that if you can bond at least you with the company, then there's that association. I know Fred's at Happy Plumbing. I'll give him a call. Okay. So um, as long as if your name's associated with it, it's the right thing to do. But if you just call yourself Happy Plumbing and, and don't even... Happy Plumbing at Happy Plumbing, you, <laughs> there's that disconnect between the person. And I think that's what people are, are finding more difficult on social is that you want to have a connection with the person. You want to know that there is a real person behind that. And so when I follow you, I know that, I'm, I'm, uh, and at mention you that, that that there is a real person connecting with that. That you're not a bot. I guess there's so many, so many ways of people automating lots of accounts that aren't real. That the accounts that I want to follow, the accounts that I want to connect with, I want to know that there's a real person um, managing them and being them. So you mentioned Twitter quite a bit as a social network. Are you act- Twitter is probably my passion. Yeah. Are Are you active in a few other places, or, or maybe mainly? Um, yeah. Twitter? Look, I'm I, I'm active on all of them in different ways. So I guess I try and each platform has its own personality, as far as um, I I can see. In that, um, 
Instagram is about the visual me. So um, I try and share stuff that is mostly about my life, but things that I see of of beauty and add value to to that. So they're, they're, it's all sort of photography things I like to share um, on a visual level. Uh, if I'm on uh, Facebook and I have a business account on Facebook and I have my personal account. I've got to say that people, because people have connected with me on Twitter as a person, um, they're more likely to want to friend me on uh, Facebook um, on my personal account. So at some point I actually had to make that decision. Okay, everyone wants to know, like the people that I've met, my Twitter friends are now wanting to be my Facebook friends. Um and so I've kind of opened that door in, into my Facebook world, So, which is a bit, you know, I guess it took me a little while to adjust to that it's a personal account, but it's also um, it's a business account or a social media account as well. So I think that's, that's one of those things. You can either say, look, I, I'm trying to keep family and friends in one place It'd be great if you could join up on my um, business account, but I found that that was too much negotiation. The people who really want to know me on Facebook already I kind of trust and know, and so I let them into that world as well. So right. it's, again, it's these steps of courage um, in social media. Now, certainly if I if I was Coca-Cola um, I'd, I'm not, and the managing director of Coca-Cola, I'm not going to let every person who, who knows me um, jump into perhaps my personal account and that's where you would manage that differently but at this stage i'm not a huge corporation so i don't have to worry about that i don't really like using facebook is that wrong as a digital marketer do you think i think that i i actually find facebook has now become almost um if you manage i guess if you manage the algorithm i find facebook um a really quick way to um scan the news of the world scan the web by by almost having trained it to to feed the the things that i am interested in um so i actually find it kind of useful i think the moment you click on something that you really um didn't want to click on or something and then you get all this stuff is the moment you've you've known that you've taught the algorithm something that you really didn't want to give it so <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe I should uh, give it another go at some point. Yeah, train the algorithm, teach it to teach it to be your pet rather than it, it your yours it. No, that's that's the good tips there. So uh, so much has happened in digital marketing and social media over the last few years. Um, can you possibly imagine predict what might happen over the next few years with regards to actually social platforms forms themselves? And if so, how might that impact brands and the way that brands communicate online? Um, Seth Godin recently wrote that the brand of the future is patient and consistent and connected and trusted. The new brand is based um, on the truth that only comes from experiencing the product, not just yelling about it. So I think you know, he defined it, again, as this relational thing that we, that we adapt um, our brands to our lives and, our li and brands have to adapt to that. Um, and so I think that... The, the future of that will be, um, you know, if I, could, if I could really jump into the future, it's where brands become predictive, that, that products um, use AI to really um, provide their service before I knew I needed yeah. it or at the moment 
I needed it. So that they they get a sense of that. I guess I give enough detail of my own personal habits away that the the brand learns me enough to to service me without me having to to demand it. And so I think that's that's really where I see the future of of the brand relationship and the customer that. AI and algorithms, you know, like I guess much of what I said about um, Facebook, that if you can um, give Facebook enough information, it will actually serve you quite well. It will give you the information that you're looking for before you knew you needed it. So I get lots of good social media commentary, good social media feeds. It's giving me the kind of information about the people that I like to follow and so that becomes a, a natural kind of extension of my relationship with the product. That, so you, oh wow, it's actually serving me. Do you think people will get a bit a bit scared by this? By this um, prospect? I, I do. I do. I think that you know we we all think we're fairly private beings, but I think at the same time we all know that we share a lot of data that is already being shared, like. Um, what I what I tell brands I'm interested in um, gets catalogued. What Google has a pretty good sense of what I like and the places I like to go. And what if I'm researching something, they've got a pretty good idea of if I'm if I'm thinking about my next holiday to somewhere. Um, it's surprisingly how good the um, ads become about certain areas. It's, it's um, like it's like 15 years ago or so when shops started bringing out these cards to actually um, give you bonus points. Obviously, if you bought something from them, but they tracked what you bought and uh, every message yeah. you got after that was more personalized. So I suppose yeah. it's so, an evolved version of that. Uh, it, it's that kind of thing. And then I guess being able to sort of manage big data in ways where it becomes a service. It's like I don't think anyone um, hates the fact that their iPhone tracks their location um, and allows them to 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 use that um, information to enhance their experience of using their iPhone. So, I mean, certainly if if you're worried about it, you switch it off. But when it becomes transparent, it becomes a service, and then people use that service quite naturally. So, I think that's where you have to trust the brand. The brand has to make it of value to you to to allow that kind of relationship and trust to evolve but when it does then you as a customer feel more deeply satisfied um you as a, a brand or a supplier um achieve better goals better sales because you're you're naturally um fitting into your customers lives so it becomes a i guess a symbiotic relationship i like that if quote we're actually the future uh, what you said there, um, when it becomes transparent, it becomes a service. Uh, I, th I think that's that's something to think about. And if um, if you do deliver that value, then you can get away with actually getting taking a lot of information from your customers. I was just looking at the video here. For audio listeners, we're actually recording this on video as well, live in Blab. But um, it looks like we've got exactly the same background behind us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mine's probably a little bit plasticky, but yeah, but I think we planned that, didn't we? We said, okay, make sure our backgrounds kind of work across the screen. Absolutely. You didn't um, You didn't yeah. get the message about the green top, but um, the, the background's oh, I'm good. Sorry. But... <laughs> I'm sorry. 
<laughs> well, I'll tell you what, let's segue into the second section of our discussion. So that focuses more on your thoughts on where digital marketing's been and where it's heading. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? Okay, well, I'm a designer, so I have to go Adobe Suite um, as, as my go-to app. Now, I know that that's, that's um, a fairly hardcore kind of... Um, production tool for for graphic designers rather than um, a social media tool or a, a research tool. But for me, I I think in pictures. So Photoshop, Illustrator um, are my go-to places to to think and create. So yeah, I couldn't couldn't live with those. I'd have to go back to pen and paper. Do you use Adobe Edition as well? Um, no, not so much as a, on a on a writing level. No. So, because yeah, because um, that, that's what um, a lot of podcasters use to edit edit their sound. Um, I, I I quite like Audacity, but um, that's the only um, reason that I. Well, one of the reasons I don't get it is because I don't want to get sidetracked into using all their different services, and it, I don't think it's as valuable when you get just the the one service from them. <laughs> so I don't. Yeah, know. look, I think cloud's been an interesting experiment. I, I feel like. Um, there, there are certainly a lot of new um, uh, pieces of software that have been developed that are probably more web-friendly than than the the Titanic that is Photoshop, the Titanic that is um, the Adobe product. They've been around forever, mm. um, and so I think the there are new new kids on the block that are doing things that are, are quite exciting. Um, at the same time. Uh, I'm an old bloke. You kind of go with the hammer that you used um, 10 years ago. Still hammers a nail pretty well. So you tend to pick up the, the tools that you've used um, first and then play with the, the new kids as and experiment with those. So Absolutely. Yeah, I've still got old software years ago. You'll know this name, Macromedia. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So I, I've got old, old uh, fireworks and um, other software that, that, that I was quite comfortable using, and just for the basic occasional thing that I use, I, I don't see any reason to actually get anything still else. Still do the job. Yeah. yeah, I've still got a couple of old computers that that sit there just um, because they're almost like time capsules of of um, tools that I just wouldn't have if I you know went the upgrade path with them. So absolutely, little 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 time capsules of useful useful tools so are you an apple fan rather than actually a windows fan yeah yeah i've yeah. um my first um mac was oh, apple i had a mac 2 was my first computer right. um i bought a what was a two thousand dollar hard drive for 200 megabytes of memory or something <laughs> wow but, that's and, just and started and you can have a couple yeah. of gigs in in your pocket easily <laughs> oh, now. No. It's, just, <laughs> it's incredible yeah i weep i weep when i think back <laughs> Well, but, uh, at the same time, people said you'll never fill it. So exactly, <laughs> exactly. That. And I, I, I downloaded um, a video that that I'd recorded um, the other day, actually on YouTube, um, just today, and it was more than one gig, um, just the one video. Yeah, <laughs> it's just frightening. Another slightly more challenging question. So, what piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about, and you intend to try at some point in the near future? Um, look, I think. Uh, some of the the analytics tools for social, um, I, I tend to um, use uh, 
uh, say Twitter Twitter analytics rather than go to say Sprout Social or some of the, the bigger sort of analytic platforms. Partly because um, the thirty dollar a month kind of fee, yeah, I'm I'm not sure what how much value I'll, I'll get out of those um, relationships. But I, I keep hearing good things about a couple of of those sort of analytics tools. Do you schedule um, your tweets as well, or or some of them? No, look, I've got to say I'm pretty transparent on my Twitter platform for myself. I just um, shed or get clients and teach them how to schedule their their social media um, just because that way it's not as, as daunting. It frees, you know, if you can do a couple of hours, you can you can at least um, get share good information. But for me, I'm pretty transparent. When I'm on social, I'm on social. When I'm not, um, I'm not. So I, and I've found that for me, people then know that, I'm around that that I'm when I put something out there I get people talking back to me because they know that I'm actually listening at that point in time. Yeah, I don't if think if I'm I, not not there then I'm not around don't talk to me kind of thing. I think that's great. Uh, I I think Twitter's a very personal tool or the the more personal you use it um the the higher value you can get out of it. I I I schedule three tweets a week actually which is um just when i have a, a new episode coming out and um mm. just when i um uh, share a quote about that episode as well and a tool about it as well but apart from that it, i'm on it all the time and i'm interacting and it's just me so it's it's partly just to make sure that i do get the tweet out at the right time when the episode yeah. comes out but I, and i use buffer for that and, that and that's a nice free tool to use but apart from that i I don't enjoy really interacting on on some something like Hootsuite. I, I I just go to the native tools like yourself. Yeah, I, I actually find um absolutely. Yeah, I, I I'm a bit old school too. I like the Twitter app itself. I find um, Hootsuite and um, uh, yeah, just that the windows become a bit frantic. That you you're trying to monitor so many sort of things that that I I, I find it almost information overload. I'd rather focus on, okay, these are the, the at replies and this is the stream and live in the in the in the moment rather than than have fifty things happening at once and monitoring keywords and all that kind of stuff. Although, you know, sometimes it's important to do that. And certainly in some Twitter chats I've I've had multiple things happening just to sort of see what's happening. So it's it's one of those things you kind of got to work the moment rather than uh, try and uh, have value in that moment rather than just uh, have all this information coming at you. I always find that too much information just clouds clouds your thinking. Yes, you don't want it. you don't want it to become too monotonous either. You you want to be enjoying interacting and not feeling that it's yeah. a mundane task you have to do. Okay, but uh, you, you mentioned Adobe Edition and a couple of other tools there, so includes um links to that in the show notes at um, uh, digitalmarketingradio.com but moving on to I wish I would have so I'd like you to look back in the very first day that you were involved in trying to market a business online what didn't you do so well what do you wish that you would have done differently um, I wish I would have probably stepped out of um, my small business faster there's there's been um, a few times where kind of growth um, happened really quickly, and that's where um, instead of perhaps focusing, you know, or focusing on the job at hand, but also 
trying to manage the growth um, in a better way so that you brought people in at that point, that's where you, um, expansion could have happened probably quicker. So for me, I think that it's, it's that being a one-man band, you tend to be able to say, I can do it all. Um, there are times where I would have rather brought someone in, been able to, 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 to flatten the workload and therefore probably created a bit more growth. But that would have been stepping out of a few comfort zones. So I think it's that balance between I like what I have and then saying, no, no, I want, to, I want more. I want to expand that. And that means bringing more people in putting in all those processes to manage those people. And that's always a juggle, isn't it? It's easier to manage yourself than manage others at times. So I was also thinking, as in Michael Gerber's words, you wish you would have worked on the business rather than actually in the business. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that, that nails it. Okay, uh, moving on to... The this or that round. So this is the quick response <laughs> round. <laughs> Ten quick questions and just two rules here. Try not to think about the answer too much, and you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. Email or Twitter? Twitter. Audio or video? Video. Affiliates or display advertising? Display. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one -on -one relations? One-on-one -on -one relations. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Contact form, I think. Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Social subscriber, I think. And local marketing or global marketing? Global. You didn't need your both there. I, I don't think there was one that I can actually pinpoint that you particularly... Scribble, no, I, 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 I happily choose one over the other, I think. Oh, okay. That's that's um, a bit frustrating. I usually uh, dig into the one I'm answer, sorry, dig, dig, dig into the one answer I, I, that someone struggled with, but you didn't struggle with anything. It was fairly obvious you're going to go with Facebook, one-on-one -on -one relations. It was was it SEO over paid search as well, was it? Yeah, I think SEO. I, I, I'm not a great fan of paying anything for anything. So, <laughs> have you got some Scottish roots as well? <laughs> no, perhaps. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I think if you can if you can maximise a service um, by putting um, time and talent into it, then do that um, rather than pay for for reach. The ten thousand dollar question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? Um, I think I'd spend $10,000 on creating a mini movie. So I'd, I'd actually create something that was epic in its proportion and minimal in its budget. <laughs> so okay. $10,000. The movie isn't great, but I think uh, that would be a, a a fun thing to do. Two, I think it would have legs. It could tell a story, um, and now I think video is the new um, reading. So I think people respond to video um, in 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 a visceral kind of way. So I, I that's where I I'd put my ten thousand dollars. And would you just publish it on YouTube? 
I'd put it, oh, well, I guess I would then put it on YouTube and then promote the hell out of it through my social channels. And would you have any particular call to action at the end of it? I think for me, I, I'm happy um, if it's about my business, it would be to change someone else's life with that rather so that the call to action would be something that is transformational in watching the video for their business hopefully by gifting that to them um they respond to me okay so it's more the ripple effect rather than actually try and measure the financial yeah, value I, I think like call now um call me point to me i i think is is old school marketing i think now new school marketing is wow you gifted me this amazing piece of information. Whatever was in this video transformed my business. I want more of you for that. So I think that that is the 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 real call to action now is that when you give something of value, um, there's a reciprocity. People then want you to 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 um, be involved more in their lives. So, so how do, how does a modern marketer who works in a firm and understands that approach? sell that idea um to their boss that we're just giving stuff away yeah well i think um i think what happens now is that if i make widgets and these widgets transform someone else's business life um in a particular way that story can be told that you've got to find the thing that the widget does that is transformational, not necessarily the widget itself. Normally we'd say buy my widget. I think you've got to say buy my widget because if you do, this happens in your life. So I think that's where the real magic happens for, for marketers is that by telling the story of the story and that's where it impacts on your customer's life that you really get a sense of their... Um, uh, of of them wanting it then rather than just buy my widget i think and it, it does this and it has five sprockets and not two sprockets that kind of thing i think that's where it transforms yeah great advice it, ma it makes me think of um a great speech um a ted talk um that talks about putting the why at the heart of everything and most businesses have the wrong everything the wrong way around but um yeah, wonderful advice there. So, um, oh, but um, the challenge with that wonderful advice is that um, <laughs> we're moving on to my number one takeaway. So that means that you've got to think of another um, great piece of advice for a number one takeaway. So, yeah, you've offered a, a lot of great advice in our conversation. So, I mean, could you distill it down into an action set that our listeners need to take away and implement in their own businesses? For sure, I'll I'll come at it from a uh, I guess um, a transformation of your branding process. So that if you were to take one thing away is that you've got to transform your brand beyond logo and message and the the thing that we do into the thing that it does for someone else. So um, and that means having a conversation that that means allowing your you to be the voice of that um, relationship. So I guess that's how I, I would have encapsulated everything that I've probably said today is that um, social means that we become a person um, in a corporate world and that that corporate um, voice has to be more a person than just we are a company and we are, you know, we are changing the future. You know, insert company name, changing the future here isn't, isn't enough 
now we people want to know why you're changing the future and have a conversation on how can we help change the future with you and come along for the ride because they're passionate about that thing as yeah. well yeah great 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 thought to leave us with um, um what's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do um, sure. My website is probably the easiest way to contact me or contact me on Twitter at Brand Ideas. That's where I live. So um, happily uh, at message me or just, um, uh, yeah, say good day there because I'd love to uh, love to get to know you and click follow me and I'll follow you back and get to know you through your stream. And that's um, that's always a great thing, I think, when you I really try and get to know as many people as I can. I actually spend time reading my stream just to get a sense of what it is that you share. And I can only recommend other people do that. It's not just broadcasting. It's not just this thing. There's actually conversations happening and and you can get to know people. Or on Blab now. Blab is awesome. So I, I think... Um, this is going to be my new home. Absolutely. Often. Come and join us um, next time because um, I'm recording this in Blab at the moment and I'm sure I'll be recording it in future episodes as well. It really is an absolutely fantastic tool. Great. Okay. Well, um, if you like what you heard, dear listener, uh, remember to uh, subscribe to future episodes. So just go to digitalmarketingradio.com slash iTunes on your Apple device. And for those of you on Android, the feed link is available on each episode page on digitalmarketingradio.com. And finally, I'm also now hosting a brand new live show every Friday at Code This Week in Organic. I'm also on Blab. So head over to thisweekinorganic.com and it'll uh, direct directly to the latest show that um, happens to be going on. But that's all for now. Until we meet again, adios. And thank you so much again, Tim. Pleasure, David. Thank you. It's been great to um, experience um, this format. It's been lovely.